Good morning. This is episode 11, Red Blanket Time. There's a story from the Bible about two sisters, Mary and Martha, and the different ways that they approach relationships and hospitality. Let's deal with the two potentially off-putting buzzwords I just dropped before moving on. First, if you are not into or actively against reading the Bible, please listen anyway. This is, as I said, a story about two people's different approaches to expressing care and relationships, and the way that I'm going to discuss it will have no religious implications, and the story could have come from anywhere. If you are from the sector of the population that does practice Bible reading, you probably heard this one many times before, but for me at least, it's always a beneficial reminder when I run across it. The second buzzword is hospitality. This word conjures up images of fancy napkin folding, restaurant staff, or perhaps casseroles. So let's get away from that as quickly as possible. The dictionary definition is the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. Eh, it's better, but I still don't love it. Let's more broadly define hospitality as inviting someone to share your time and space. Okay, so I'm going to read the story of Mary and Martha and then add on a few of my adjacent thoughts. This is Luke 10, 38 through 42, at the home of Mary and Martha. Jesus, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he called to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to every word he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that, she, that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So Martha is, first of all, a homeowner in biblical times, which is pretty uncommon for a woman. Um, and she's opening up her house to Jesus and all his followers. So she has a large group of people coming into her home. It only makes sense that if she wants to welcome them and show care for them, that she's preparing food. She's preparing places for them to sleep. Like she's doing the tangible work to make them feel welcome in her home, which only seems reasonable. Um, her sister, who also lives there, is not doing any of those practical preparations. She's just sitting with Jesus, listening to everything that he's talking about, giving her full attention to him, not doing any of the cooking or the cleaning or the whatever else was involved in those preparations. And that's what he praised. That's what he said was better. He said, few things are needed, indeed only one, and the one that Mary chose to be present with him, to sit with him, to listen to him was really so much more important than any of those other preparations that Martha was staying busy with. Okay, so I'm going to give you my mental picture of real hospitality now because in a way um, I read a few other people's notes about this story and the theme of hospitality kept coming up and that can maybe is something that we would think about as like food preparation or even like hotel hospitality. It's those tangible things we think about instead of 
what it means to maybe be a hospitable person or to be um, creating that space for people to be with you rather than in focusing just on that physical space. So my picture of hospitality, hence the title of this podcast. Many, many years ago, I worked at a summer camp. And one of the great things about a camp is the plethora of, of activities throughout the day. But there was one hour mid-afternoon that was set aside as a rest time. People could nap, read, hang out and talk, whatever was rejuvenating for them. I had a large red blanket that I would sometimes carry out to the main field during this time and lay out on the grass with an open invitation for anyone who wanted to come by and sit there to talk, to nap, just to have a place to be. Sometimes I'd bring a simple activity like coloring supplies or thread for making friendship bracelets, an absolute staple at any summer camp, or listen and give advice akin to Lucy from Peanuts Lemonade Stand Psychiatrist Booth. It wasn't a place where people had to be a certain way or do anything in particular. They could just come and be for a little bit. Years later, um, I still have this blanket. It has been usurped by our dachshunds, however. But I'm realizing just recently that there are other ways I can create this sort of space for people. For example, uh, due to COVID restrictions, there is a one student in the bathroom at a time policy at my school, which necessitates that staff take on shifts of bathroom guard. I decided that if I was going to do this, I might as well do it properly. So yesterday I grabbed a chalkboard and wrote a riddle on it and posted it at my, my guard table that kids had to answer before they could enter the bathroom, you know, bridge troll style. It was surprising to me how immediately that space I had created drew people, students and several other passing staff members. It wasn't just about figuring out the riddle. It was that it was an aberration from the normal daily routine, a tiny oasis of weirdness that stood out against the backdrop of efficiency, purpose and sense of urgency that permeates the school. It created an excuse and a focal point for people to get attention and connect for a few minutes. It was lovely to stumble across a place like that again and find that it's a place in me, not in my blanket. We can create those little oases for people around us, whether or not there is any physical space involved. It could be in a person or it could be in person or it could be over the phone. We don't have to physically be in the same space. When we create a space where people can just show up and be for a while without having to perform or produce, where the goal of communicating isn't to get to the point, but to connect and let them be seen, heard, and understood. We're not a repair shop, not an advice forum, not explaining to them why they should or shouldn't feel a certain way, just being as present as we can be ourselves and allowing them to do the same. Okay, last example. I'm reading, yes, I'm not reading, I'm listening to the audiobook called How to Listen with Intention. One section discusses how people tend to show care in three main ways, head, hands, and heart. I will briefly pause here for you to barf in the nearest trash can, as that is the only appropriate response to alliteration. Okay, better? I do like the three categories kind of a different spin on the concept of love languages, the different ways that we show care for people. The hand style of showing care for someone means that you respond to their concerns in a practical, hands-on way. 
they're feeling busy and overwhelmed with how much there is to do. So you mow their lawn for them, you cook dinner for them, you run an errand for them. They're stressed that their sink is leaking, so you fix the, linky sink, the leaky sink. The tangible problem is solved, so the emotional problem is solved. I'll try to talk about the other two now, but my style of caring is 90% the first one, so I'm going to talk, about my, talk out my ass about the other two. Showing care with your head would be thinking through the situation with the person, maybe doing some research and learning more about it, talking through it logically, maybe gaining a new perspective or a more rational way of seeing the situation. Heart would be showing empathy, developing an emotional connection, not necessarily over the specifics of the situation, but over how the other person feels about it. Listening conscientiously, affirming them in their experience, being present with them, giving them your time. I think the moral of the story is that all three styles have their place, but that the heart approach is what people often want the most and rarely get. Maybe hustling around, fixing things for people, whether that is with our hands or with our brains, isn't what they want or need as much as they want someone to be emotionally present with them. Just give them a chance to be heard and understood, feel connected instead of alone. This last one is uncomfortable and the toughest to navigate. You can use your head and hands to watch a YouTube video and figure out how to fix a sink. But to be fair, so could the other person if the leaky sink was actually the real problem. Or they could farm it out and call a plumber. But you can hire someone or watch a YouTube video. You can't hire someone or watch a YouTube video to replace another human being being emotionally present for you. Listening to your feelings and experience laying out their red blanket and allowing you to sit there, just creating a protected place to share time and space with you. That's all. Take care. And in the least woo-woo way possible, stop trying to fix people and be present for them instead.